Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of The Sporty Ushers. Uh, this is Dave and with me again is James. How are you doing, James? I'm doing very well, Dave. I think, and I think this episode went, went quite well as well. What, what did you think? Well, I enjoyed it immensely and uh, <laughs> I, I figured why not do it again? Uh, <laughs> so uh, it is a pleasure to be back discussing what we love once again. So just a, a brief overview of what we're going to talk about tonight. We'll do a quick rundown of uh, the sort of sporting stories of the week. Um, there's been plenty going on. Uh, then we'll have another after the England versus Scotland Usher versus Usher Challenge last week. Uh, and my crushing defeat at the hands of John <laughs> McGinley. Uh, we're going to do that again. We're going to give, uh, I'll give I have got a great uh, classic England 11 for you. And I imagine you will have a Scotland 11 likewise. I do, yes, yes. Great, great. So we'll do that. Um, and then, uh, as is probably, I would say, probably our favourite sports, I would say, our football and cricket. I think we'd, we'd agree with that. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about football. Um, so obviously, it's the last uh, weekend of the Premier League season uh, on Sunday. Um, and uh, the, well, the Championship, so we're recording this on Thursday, the 23rd of July. So the Championship season came to a close last night. So there's plenty to talk about there. Um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It was incredible. Um, and then we'll sort of talk about who's going where from the championship. But we'll also kind of just sort of mop up league, leagues one and two as well, like sort of who went up and who went down. And because both the playoffs and all of that have all been decided. Um, then I will quickly go into what's happened in Scottish football this week um, ahead of the start uh, on August 1st. Um, and then to close things out tonight, uh, we'll have a review of the second test between England and the West Indies. Um, and uh, the last thing of the night will be uh, I will put James into his England selector role and uh, see what he would do for the third and decisive test so all that to come so thank you once again for joining us on the Sporty Ushers podcast Okay, James, so I think we'll start with um, everything that's kind of happened in uh, the week of sport. I think where we'll start, okay, we'll start with football and um, sort of two high-profile uh, managerial seconds, um, both quite head-scratching, I think. Um, we'll start with uh, Danny Crowley, um, who was sacked by Huddersfield Town um, at the beginning of the week, um, with Huddersfield pretty much safe from relegation. I mean, he hasn't like set the world on fire there, but like given all the teams that are, I mean, that is such a difficult league to get out of. Do you think he was kind of hard done by? I think I think he absolutely has been uh, hard done by. Um, the Crowley, it's, it's a it's a pair of brothers who basically have have managed right, non-league like and have managed at Lincoln as well, uh, and have been successful and they've had like good cup runs and seem to be on a real upward like trajectory in the management careers. Um, and I don't really see the benefit that Huddersfield are gonna are gonna have like from of, of changing the manager. Um, I, well, I don't see who who better they can get. It's funny you should say that, James, because news has literally just broke in the last half hour uh, that Huddersfield Town have appointed Leeds assistant coach Carlos Corberan as their new head coach for the 2021 season, um, which completely baffles me even more. Um, that You would think, I mean, any kind of manager who has any real success of getting a team out of that league has a really good knowledge of it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Bielsa is probably, yeah. um, you know, he 
kind of stands out as being, but he's been there for a season and a half, I think, before they actually got promoted. So um, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely a difficult yeah. one. Do you know, it reminds me of when um, Southampton sacked Nigel Adkins and we were all scratching our head thinking, what are they doing? And they got um, mm-hmm. Pochettino and they were kind of, ah, right. So that's what they were thinking. So, I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not saying that Carlos yeah. Corberan mm-hmm. is going to be a, a Maurizio Pochettino, but he yeah. might be. Um, it's a bit of a head scratcher because I think those guys, uh, as you say, they, they, they came up from the very sort of grassroots and they, um, I don't think they'll struggle to get another job. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, I hope, yeah, yeah. And I, I do think keeping, keeping Huddersfield in the, in the championship and basically that's on Sunday they got, they got it was on Sunday yeah so before the like yeah, yeah. After, after they basically got them safe before the end of the season they kind of moved them on and um obviously obviously they had a plan to get a new manager in and give them as long as possible and I, I suppose I can't understand why they do it at that time because the pre-seasons any plans for pre-season yeah. are, are kind of going to be scrambled and transfer windows and whatever you can manage so I suppose you want someone in as early as possible but um keeping like the championship is just littered with teams that have that have, have got maybe a bigger uh, ambition than than their actual sort of talents and bigger ambitions than uh, the, or a bigger sort of views of their own reputation than than they actually realistically have. And I know they were in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, they came down uh, last season. Yeah. Last season, weren't they? They came down last season. Um, but the number of teams that have gone straight through the championship in the wrong direction um, when things go wrong. Yeah. And part of me worries about sort of Norwich next season as well. When things go wrong, if you get promoted with so like well, for example, Norwich get promoted with a with a, a finished striker um, comes out of nowhere um, and scores twenty five goals and also and then he then spends a year in the Premiership. Pookie spends a year in the Premiership chasing lost causes and looks like he's got no confidence at all. Yeah, the chances of him coming back next season and scoring twenty five goals again to get promoted, you can't rely on that sort of thing. And I think that's where Huddersfield kind of kind of found themselves. Um, they had a lot of players who weren't quite good enough for the Premier League and obviously weren't good enough for the Championship either. Well, n- not yeah, yeah. chance for promotion from the Championship. And I just think moving... I, I, don't, I don't think the manager was to blame for any of their Definitely not. underperformance this season. Um, I don't think... They, so I think, yeah, I think it's a strange one. And, and you, know, you know, maybe it'll be good for both of them. Maybe they'll get a... Maybe they'll be able to go to a club that can... They can give them more of a budget or can be more realistic with their expectations. And maybe Huddersfield can get a manager who... Or a head coach, whatever, however they want to fit into the management structure better, and it could be good for both of them. But yeah, a little bit disappointed. Because I want to see what they could do with a full season at Huddersfield, the Crowley Brothers. But um, it's just yeah, it's more than football, it is, isn't it? I mean, if you look just looking at the, at the bottom sort of half of the championship, yeah, yeah. so starting at uh, fifth, so you're looking yeah. at 13th place with 58 points. That's how it finished with where Queens Park Rangers down. Uh, so you've got Queens Park Rangers, yeah. Reading, Stoke, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, Middlesbrough, Huddersfield, Birmingham. Charlton, Wigan and Hull City. Now, all of them in the last 10 years or so have been in the Premier League and uh, they're all in the bottom half of the second tier at the minute. So it's just, an, it's just an... I mean, I think as last night's games, as we'll talk about later on, um, as last night's games proved, that is the, the most unpredictable league in, probably in world football, I would say. You know, you just can't predict um, what's going to happen or, you know, one team can beat another on any given day. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's sometimes strange when you look at the, the championship, uh, even like the bottom half, and you think, oh, wow, they were in the Premier League not that long ago. And yeah. Now all of a sudden they're scrambling to get like to save themselves, like confirm the sort of status in the league on the last day of the season, last two games. Um, I, I think I think Birmingham is one of the strangest sort of outfits you can kind of see. The team have no money, still like still suffering, and 
yeah they've got a, a good a massive it's a massive city yeah they've, they've got a, a good attendance every week they ca- they can't surely they can't still be carrying wages no not from, from when from, they went yeah definitely not yeah but even from even from like when they've challenged for the for the promotion like surely they're surely they must be being run it's 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 it it sort of it's sort of bizarre to me that someone like Birmingham are constantly struggling in the bottom half of the yeah of the championship and so many but like 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 we said it is modern football but like we never really know no you, you never know who's going to make a run like make a run for the uh, for promotion or, or or go from challenging to relegation oh yeah exactly next so that sort of moves moves us on to we're staying on with managerial seconds probably <laughs> even more crazy than uh, than Crowley getting the Crowley brothers <laughs> getting sacked was the fact that um, Nigel Pearson got sacked by uh, Watford sorry um, so when he took over as the third manager of the season um, <laughs> he uh, nor uh, Watford were seven points adrift at the bottom of the league Okay, so they sacked him after the um, 3-1 defeat to West Ham, which both of you and I completely got wrong in our predictions for that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, uh, so after the 3-1 defeat, uh, it started to get rumoured on Sunday, not long after the Crowley brothers' announcement that Watford were going to sack Nigel Pearson. Uh, that was confirmed later on on Sunday night. So Hayden Mullins and I think the goalkeeping coach are taking the team for the Man City game, which they got a bit of a doing in, and then yeah. for the last game of the season to obviously get them out of relegation, which you know is looking pretty nailed on for them at the minute. But um, yeah, I, so there was rumours that Troy Deeney has came out and scorched that he put his hands on a player at yeah. halftime um, of the West Ham game. So. Uh, I don't know if that's if there's any truth to that. Troy Deeney came out and basically scorched it and said he was very angry. There was harsh words, but at no time did he lift his hands to anybody. Um, so I don't know. There's the whole wizard, no smoke without fire. But that is a crazy club. You would, you would, if you went in that, if you went into that job, you would have to have a cast iron contract, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Would... So it, it, I, I said with Huddersfield, I can maybe I can understand why they they've got safety. Decided he's not the manager for them, and they decided to move on. What I don't understand, Watford's like like un, I just don't understand it. Like they, they they've got two really difficult games when he was when he was let go. Yeah. Two different really difficult games of the last of the season, and unless they had I, I can't even think unless they had like some defensive masterclass manager lined up like straight away to come in who was going to teach them how to keep two clean sheets and get some points to be safe. I don't see, and which they obviously haven't, I don't see how sacking Nigel Pearson is in any way, is in any way like a, a positive move. Um, Hayden Mullins uh, seems seems a really, I think it's Graham Stack is the goalkeeping coach. Yeah, I think um, right, yeah. The ex-Arsenal uh, reserve keeper. Um, uh, Hayden Mullins, is, uh, he's, a, he's currently the manager of my under-18 uh, team on on football manager, oh. but you know if he needed uh, so, any more credentials than that, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, why should so he? He's, he's highly rated in uh, in in my uh, in in in, in, my, in my mind, but he he does seem to have who was it? I think Andy Reid was on Five Live talking about. Uh, it was someone on, on Five Live was talking about how he's he's done all all the, all the badges as well with him with Hayden Mullen, and uh, he is a very articulate and very good coach. But I I, I don't get it. How yeah, how do you it's... like it, it's a it's a no no wins. They're going to get stuffed in the last two games. Yeah, almost like, <laughs> and, and like if if they if they sacked another manager, you'd think someone Nigel Pearson would be exactly the person they'd want to bring in. So you you know you know and if 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 he's not a long term manager, 
that they want because yeah. Watford have have gone through so many different sort of types of managers. Um, uh, There's just, Nuno Gomez and Kiki yeah. Flores and everything like that. You're yeah, just they like, well, 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 get moved on, don't they? Yeah. Um, and, and 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 then come back for another season a few years later. Um, <laughs> it's it's an absolute absolute. But but if he doesn't fit into that, if he doesn't fit into that model, like whatever sort of director of football, head of recruitment kind of model that they've got there, that's fine. But yeah. surely you don't. Surely if you need someone to try and battle for 180 minutes, stay in the Premier League. Yeah. Nigel Pearson will be the manager you want. It's yeah. It's such a. It seems like a strange appointment. It was a strange appointment in the first yeah. place for Watford, I think, and like, it's no surprise that it hasn't worked. But you think they would have given them the last two games, wouldn't you? But uh, dear, as I say, modern football, modern football. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the sort of the Premier League and Watford's chances uh, a bit later on. But uh, one quick um, thing I want to talk about about um, before we move on to kind of a roundup of other sports is um, the. Scottish clubs have started playing uh, bounce games and friendlies and stuff, and that included uh, Rangers and Celtic went over to France to play a couple yes. of uh, high-profile friendlies against uh, Lyon and Nice, I think it was the, the other one, um, and then Celtic played an extra game against PSG, which I'm pretty sure they wish they hadn't now. Um, mm -hmm. they, uh, so the first game against Lyon, so a, a bit of a timeline of this, Rangers played Lyon on the 16th of July, um, and it was obviously the first time that the the squad had had been together, um, and the players uh, took a knee uh, in respect uh, of the Black Lives Matter um, movement, um, and the team's black players, um, so Cora Goldson, Alfredo Morelos, and Jermaine Defoe, um, all threw up the Black Power salute as well in protest to the way that uh, black people are treated in this country and in respect of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, so Conor Goldson, um, who is, uh, plays in defence for Rangers, um, he is a, he is a favourite uh, of mine um, because uh, he was the defender who David Moyo took the ball off uh, to score the goal as Aki's beat Rangers 1-0 at Ibrox towards the end of uh, just before lockdown. Um, and uh, there's a wonderful bit of commentary uh, where the guy just goes, Goldson loses out! And then David Moyo <laughs> slots the ball out there. But anyway, so uh, I just had to slip that in there. But, um, so, yeah, absolutely. So, so Conor Goldson put this picture up and it's of him, uh, Morelos, Defoe, and Stephen Davis is in the picture as well, and the three lads are all. I've got the fist up, um, and the, there was just a tirade of just horrible messages that he got from Rangers fans. And well, I say fans; they're not really fans. Um, and there was to, to just a bit of balance. There was plenty of support on their forum as well from Rangers, from real Rangers fans. Um, so the next day, uh, or so two days later, on the 18th of June of July, he threw up a picture, the same picture, but it was just him. Um, and he said, let's try this again. The hate and ignorance in the comments of the last picture were disgusting, but not surprising. This isn't about politics. It's about equality. We all need educating, myself included. Um, and he gained quite a lot of positivity um, from around Scottish football on that. Um, and uh, as I say, the, the, the two things that any time, if you look at a picture of a black man kneeling with his, his fist in the air and your thought is all lives matter, you're completely misunderstanding why he's doing it in the first place right and then the, another thing that you see quite a lot is um politics has no place in football and i'm like well a black man kneeling protesting about the treatment that him and his race get isn't politics it's racism and racism is a crime you know yeah. and that's why he's doing it so 
like those responses, you're either ignorant and need to educate yourself, or you're racist and you need to, well, I could say an expletive, but you need to just go away. And, you know, so, um, but so one of the things, that, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up and why I wanted to talk about it is um, we're very quick in Scottish football to criticise both sides of the old firm for not taking a strong stance when people are abused at their grounds or abused by their fans or the attitudes that their so-called fans take, um, whether that be against racism, sectarianism, any, anything at all. Um, so on the 20th of July, um, Stuart Robertson, who is the managing director of Rangers, um, he uh, was talking about um, not only, obviously, what Conor Golson did, but Alfredo Morelos, who's a very divisive figure in Scottish football, you know, like, but uh, he's been a victim of some, uh, some pretty horrible uh, racist abuse. Um, so he's addressed that in a, in a, in a, in a statement. Um, and I just want to read a little bit of that. Um, so he said, this is unacceptable and cannot be tolerated and must be condemned by everyone in Scottish football and society as a whole. Furthermore, as a club, we firmly stand behind our players who have taken a knee prior to recent games. This is a strong stance against racism. We will work tirelessly to protect our players every single day and will not tolerate the abuse or hatred that some have had to endure in recent days. To be clear, if you're unable to support our players, regardless of their background, you are not welcome at Ibrox, Rangers is a club for all. Now, that is probably as definitive as you can get. Now, as I say, like, I wanted to call that out just because myself included have been really quick to say how ineffective the old firm are in dealing with things like this. So I just wanted to put a massive shout out to how definitive that statement was. Um, and uh, so hopefully, and as I say, there's loads of there's loads of Rangers fans who are supporting Conor Goldson and Alfredo Morelos and the sort of Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and it's good to see them speaking up. And it actually feels for the first time that there might actually be some change happening, you know, and it's we're still a long way away. But, you know, I, that to me is a massive step forward. And I just wanted to kind of take a couple of minutes just to kind of forefront that and, and say a massive well done to Rangers for taking such a definitive stance. Yeah, and I, I do think, I think um, uh, people living in Scotland have all been very quick to jump on the actions of certain people um, a, a few weeks ago around um, around George Square in Glasgow. Um, it seemed to be a certain type of mm. person who was who was doing a, a certain type of thing. Yeah. Um, and we were all, I mean, at one, at one point we used to laugh at that kind of thing, but it's kind of brought into, into a kind of sharp focus how how um how it kind of like it, it's a societal issue mm. it's not it's not it's not just you know daft football fans it is sort of something more than that um but but what i want to say is that sort of the, the support that like wilfred zaha and then david mcgoldrick yeah and then even even this this mm. um today um uh jude bellingham, jude bellingham yeah yeah the young the 17 year old from birmingham who's going to be you know probably he's probably going to be you know an england england England's captain or something in the future. Definitely, yeah. Um, it, it's been sort of racially abused over the last, literally in the, in the last sort of week or so. Yeah. Um, at, at this time as well. Um, shows, but the, the kind of support that those people have had shows that there is like, it feels like the, the footballers genuinely are using their platform to make a difference and the football clubs are giving them back in. Definitely. It's, it, it, and it, this isn't a, this isn't a an FA sort of base thing where they're kind of you know pressing it down from the top and everyone everyone for one weekend wears a kick racing metal football t shirt and the 
they give away footballs at the game and, and yeah. this kind of feel like it genders people wanting to make a change. Absolutely. And then, and hopefully and and you know <laughs> again on, on the day that there's a, a report saying that you know football clubs are you know shouldn't have put people on film. I hope, I hope the Conservative government looks at, at every company that had high pay high paid people who who were also put other people on furlough. I hope they hope they get the yeah, same uh, the same treatment the same, definitely same treatment that, that football football clubs seem to get. I think we we could all agree that you know that the clubs definitely are making um, real progress. And, and hopefully, you know, this is the start of something. And it feels different, as you said, from the, the campaign, wherever they just yeah. uh, shows racism on the red and just gets back on with it and everything. And hopefully this will be the start of something. Um, so just sort of staying with that issue, but changing sports. Um, I can't believe we're talking about F1 again, man, seriously. <laughs> but um, So the oh, F1 went to Hungary for the Hungarian Grand Prix. And uh, shockingly enough, um, uh, Lewis Hamilton won. Um, uh, so, but I obviously we don't actually want to talk about F1. Uh, but what what I do want to quickly mention again is that uh, Lewis Hamilton has had to get out and talk about the issue of racism and Black Lives Matter in his sport again. Um, this is probably most disappointingly because he's had to speak out against two sort of legends of the game, uh, of the sport, sorry, and Mario Andretti uh, and Jackie Stewart. Probably more so Mario Andretti who said that um, he had become militant um, in his stance now I'm sorry, but if you can, if you think what a, the, the only black driver in the sport uh, taking a knee um, is being militant, I, that's how you look at that. Then I'm sorry. Then you need you need to just sit the fuck down. Excuse my language, but um, the fact that you know uh, Hamilton came out with such a measured and um, sort of well thought out and rational response. Um, like as I say, I, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but I have so much respect for him in these last couple of weeks, and that even I got even more because if, if that was me, man, I would have came out screaming the place down. Um, but again, it's just really disappointing that nobody sees it. You know, like the, these people are actually sitting there and think, oh, I don't really think there's a problem. And like, you've got one black guy, man. How's that not a problem? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, but and I think in, in Formula One isn't a meritocracy like in in football you know give or take if, if you're the best player in the world yeah you'll get to the top of the, the world game you know there will be people in certain parts of the world who don't get the, the right access to sort of training and so might be some some talents that kind of go by the wayside but you know um um but and formula, formula one isn't that it's not about you know the, the best drivers don't always end up in the best cars it's it's the most marketable drivers yes exactly and, and if Lewis Hamilton wants wants to be, and I, I, he's he's absolutely not, but if he wanted to be a militant political activist as part of his brand, it's totally up to him. Yeah, he can do that. And if he was if he was losing races because of because of you know maybe his his political activism was getting in the way of his his um uh, his sort of yeah rise um, to the top maybe you know that yeah. type of thing yeah yeah he is absolutely owning the the. Uh, Owning the competition, I mean, he's he's absolutely dominating, like he has done for years and years. And he's like, <laughs> it's really strange. Part of me, part of me wants to support Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. But I've, oh, no, so, sorry, I want I want to support Lewis Hamilton, but I don't want to support Formula One. Same. By the way, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think and, that's and, it. And then, and genuinely, oh, this is this is bad. But when I read that Max Verstappen had had, had crashed in a wall, not not they got injured. After sure, that, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to win. It genuinely made me think. I was genuinely sort of slightly happy about that. That 
you know, that Lewis Hamilton has one less sort of challenger to yeah. to sort of worry about. Because and that's strange because Lewis Hamilton and I think I think part of the fact is he's so skilled and what comes off as petulant is, is probably just, you know, a guy who's absolutely driven. Who doesn't accept losing and is part of his psyche. And so when something goes wrong, maybe he comes off as petulant, maybe he comes off as, as childish, you know. Um but it, this 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 the, the way he's sort of treated in and you know that that's a imagine ah, like like I said about the the um like the, the Redskins fans having to imagine having to de- to defend that imagine coming out and saying that yeah. about like. the own like, and like like Formula One I, I don't understand how they're not how they don't get it like how do you not get that if you want to market your sport do you know what if you maybe don't actively talk down someone who's trying to spread the sport maybe that may, might be a good thing in the long run maybe maybe if you know just maybe maybe of the top of the 20 best drivers in the world it might be that maybe more than one of them should be a black person you know maybe maybe i'm being crazy when i think that but uh-huh. you know there's a possibility that, that maybe some black drivers might be faster than you know having a and oh, i don't mean this but sure. i don't mean this to be natural but you know a guy whose dad happens to be a billionaire and has managed to buy a, a team and he's now Hey, and Lance Lance Stroll. He seems like a he seems like a decent driver. I, I, I don't follow it that much, but but if his dad wasn't didn't own the team, yeah. would he get a seat? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've talked enough about that sport now. I think we can yes. we can move on. Yeah. Like we don't like F one, but do you know what? Lewis Hamilton's awesome. So keep up keep yeah. it up, my friend, because um, he's obviously listening. You know. Oh yeah, um, is, yeah. So just a, a quick roundup of a of a few things that have happened this week. Um, so it was announced that um, the Great British and Irish Lions tour of South Africa is going ahead as planned next year. Um, now I don't have any great love for rugby um, union or league, um, but there's just something about that Lions jersey that. I, I, and I can't really place it because do you know what? There's hardly been any Scottish people in it for the last four tours. You know, yeah. uh, there's yeah. just something about it. You know, they just and it kind of got a little bit diluted when you've got Sam Warburton and uh, I can't remember the name of the New Zealand captain, and they're both holding up the trophy at the end of it. And I'm like, yeah. just have yeah. like just go for like just play another ten minutes or something. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just, I guess that's why I never really understand rugby because like they're all so nice to each other all the time, you know. And yeah. like I think you mentioned you mentioned sort of last week uh, in, the, in the first episode, you mentioned about us um, was kind of bonding over, over a variety of sports, cricket being one of them. Yes. Or, or sort of cat, like talking about cricket, one of them was bizarrely. And myself, I've, I've been to a few rugby rugby union matches. Used to play rugby at school, but. Um, I've never, I've, I've tried a few times with the Six Nations. I've followed a few Six Nations, but I've never really followed it that much. Watched a bit of the World Cup, but we both were absolutely, absolutely enthralled by that Lions talk, yeah, weren't we? Aye. Brought, brought to us by Land Rover. Yes, it was exclu- <laughs> exclusively covered by Talksport. Remember, like every, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as they said, between each, yeah, each each time the ball went out of play. Um, and it, it is just, it is. It, part of it is like harks back to a time before either of us were born of yeah. sort of touring rugby, uh, touring teams, kind of getting the best players together and going over and trying to beat a uh, beat a, the, the best team in the world, like New Zealand or South Africa or Australia. And the fact that they only play these games every four years, it makes them so, mean so much more. Um, and yeah, there is something special about well, it. It's as well, it's like they, they came and 
took a sport that we created and just got so much yes. better <laughs> than us at it. So it's almost as if we're kind of going to take back a little bit of pride. Um, and as I say, I'm, I'm no great lover of rugby. I don't really understand it. Like sometimes <laughs> people can all run into each other and the ref calls a penalty. And then sometimes what looks like exactly the same thing happens, but he doesn't call a penalty. And I'm just, but uh, as I say, I kind of get behind that. So that's on and I said it can only be a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. So... I think we're still like domestic rugby, still a, a little bit far off. Uh, but it is good yeah. to know that um, that the Lions will be back in that iconic red jersey. Will uh, oh, yeah. I'll be I'll be back. And as I say, South Africa being the world champions. Um, I don't know if you remember they beat England in the final. Um, so I, I don't know why I should bring that up, but uh, um, but just sort of. Did you, did you know- I was I was I was in a, a hotel in Dundee watching. No, the match. I bet you were the only person supporting England. I probably was. Yeah. So just a, just a yeah. quick sort of uh, rugby story for you. When I lived in uh, London, so this would have been the two thousand and seven World Cup when um, England were the champions at the time, and then they played South Africa in the final. Um, yeah. I was lodging with a South African uh, couple, <laughs> so watching the rugby league world, uh, sorry, the rugby World Cup final, South Africa against England with a room full of South Africans there was me a Scotsman uh, and (laughs) my mate who's Welsh so I I don't think there was too many people supporting England in that room but um, but yeah so just sort of sticking with rugby but with rugby league there's been quite a lot happening this uh, week loads of announcements first of all uh, they announced the fixtures the Rugby League World Cup is going to be on these shores next year really exciting mainly because the opening game is at St James's Park which is uh, uh, in Newcastle which is where I live and you're from or that area at least anyway Um and it, I found out that Scotland are going to be playing all their games. Uh, I didn't really realise Scotland had a rugby league team, but we do. And we're playing all our games at Kingston Park, which is the home of the Newcastle Falcons. So I think I might even go along and see what all the fuss is about. Um, but that's going ahead. But so the one thing I wanted to just kind of try and get my head around and see if you can help us here, James, right? So it was announced that the Super League, which is like the top tier of, of uh, rugby league, is coming back. But they have cancelled the Championship and League One, which are obviously the two lower leagues. They've been cancelled and called. So mm-hmm. of the Super League teams, there is a team called the Toronto Wolfpack. That's it, Toronto Wolfpack, um, who have pulled out of the rest of the season. Um, so because of that, they have cancelled relegation. So mm-hmm. my question to you is, what is the point of playing? Where is the sporting integrity of completing a league when one team is pulled out and nobody can get relegated. So, like, mm. like, what, what is the point? Am I missing something there, or does it just? Are you just putting a bunch of people at risk by making them run into each other? And because rugby is more so than football. If, if footballers can't socially distance, rugby players definitely can't. You know. Um, um, so I think I think I think rugby league. Um, its main issue is kind of the expansion of the game. I, I, I don't know if we, we, we talked about the sort of the, the British Lions kind of touring in, in rugby union, the, the, um, the kind of the um, rugby league equivalent kind of went on a tour uh, sort of of the, of the Pacific and the, then they played Tonga and it was on, it's on like, it was on like a pay-per-view. Oh, it was on like Premier Sports or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Like... It's, on, it's, it's barely, it's barely has like TV coverage and it was, it's maybe like a pinnacle of kind of like, of the, of the kind of the thing. And I think part, part of the problem, and it's with the resumption of sort of various sports, rugby league is the only one who has explicitly said that it's it's due to their um uh their commitment to Sky Sports right. having to fulfil their their sort of contract with Sky Sports right um 
And I know there was something similar in Scottish football with, with the fact they're changing from sort of one company to another. Yeah. Um, rugby league is kind of on a on a knife edge with its finances. Um, the and I, I think and brutally honest, I think that's why they've kind of like first of all, that's why they they allowed a team from Toronto to play in the the English. Yeah, sure. English, it's, it's not even like a, it's not even like a British kind of league. It's the the English uh, rugby league league, um, and they've allowed a team from Toronto. They've got a team in. In France as well. That's right, the Catalan um, Dragons, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so it is like um, I, th- I, th- I think it's 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 part of the part of the kind of wanting to expand the game main, meant that I remember when London Broncos at one point they had a um, they had a sort of an exemption from being relegated when they did have promotion and relegation. Um, but I think they're, they're so desperate to sort of have footholds where they can sort of try and make the game grow. Because I, I don't know if you remember Gateshead Thunder. That's right. Yes. Where, they finished fourth in the. Uh, in the league one year, yeah, and and then got relegated the next season, and are now a semi-professional team that that's playing, you know, that's playing in front of front of nobody. Um, and so I just think it's a, uh, I think rugby league is, is the one of the strangest kind of sports that's trying to expand, but also has an incredibly successful kind of heartland that, that it, it needs to kind of supply that its product to. Yeah, so you think it's, it's more of a being, commitment to broadcasting and exposure rather than. Because I can't imagine, like, there were mo- they, they would as much as they. The reason why the lower leagues in Scotland aren't going ahead is because they can't survive without crowds. So I would imagine rugby league are very similar. So I, I guess it would be the TV money would be the king in that one, wouldn't it? Okay, so that is. Uh, I, I didn't think <laughs> I'm talking about rugby league, but that is the beauty of a sport podcast. We get to cover everything. Um, just one quick thing before we move on. Um, I am currently, while we're recording this, uh, watching World Match Play Darts, um, which is going ahead Milton Keynes behind closed doors, which is a really strange experience because it's so rowdy there normally. It must be really difficult for the players. Uh, a lot of big names going out. My man Gerwin, uh, Gerwin Price have, have all gone out of that tournament quite early on. Um, but the, the sort of the big world snooker, is starting in the next week or so at uh, the Crucible. Um, and that's socially distanced crowds, which I think is... So if there's no crowds allowed to socially distance at a football match, which is outside, why on <laughs> earth go to the theatre to watch a play, but you can go to the theatre to watch snooker? Like, it's absolutely baffling. And they're not open, the government haven't opened snooker halls yet either. So, yeah. like, well, so that, to be honest, I guess it's just one of those things. I guess we'll see how it plays out. But I know, Ronnie, I saw uh, the other day Ronnie O'Sullivan came out and he's not a fan of it. He's either doing one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess we'll see. I mean, are you a fan of uh, of uh, snooker or championships? Or Yeah, well, yeah, it is pretty much the world championships. Um, I think I think you either want, I think in, in sport, you either want, like, absolute domination by someone or you want, like, anyone could win. And for me, it seems to be like... Yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, like Ronnie O'Sullivan, absolute master, but you kind of you kind of want him to be winning every single tournament, not whether he'll turn up or not. Like it's, yeah, it's, right. kind, of, it's kind of it's kind of if he if he's if he's if he's on, he'll win, and if he's not, then it's sort of between four or five other people. It's not quite the totally flat field that you kind of want for it to be. Anyone could win it, but it's also not. I'm watching the greatest ever sort of player. See, yeah, I, sort of, I like snooker. I, I I quite enjoy it, and but I kind of got fed up with the BBC's coverage because it just seemed to be these kind of really kind of like VTs about the players like standing at funny camera angles and finding yeah. out what Mark Selby likes for his breakfast and all that and I was like for God's sake so I started watching it on Eurosport 
Um, yeah. And the best thing about that is, I mean, it's fronted by Colin Murray and Andy Goldstein, depending on who's doing the tournament. Um, and, you know, the, especially Colin Murray, he's really knowledgeable about the sport, which makes, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he, you can tell he loves the sport. And him and Jimmy White have got a really good rapport. But the best thing about that is I find myself hoping that Ronnie would go out early in any tournament he's playing in because he then goes into the studio and becomes a pundit. And he's yeah. just fascinating to listen to, like, because mm -hmm. he talks with su in such glowing terms about his contemporaries and stuff. And yeah, uh, like, I, I, you always see him in the media, and he's really truculent with the press. And he, he mm -hmm. kind of like, you kind of thought oh, you're a bit of a knob and stuff, but he unbelievably isn't. Like, he comes across mm -hmm. so well when he's sitting talking yeah. to these guys about snooker and stuff. So, yeah. um, but I, so I'm looking forward to the world's coming back. But I, mm -hmm. I wonder what it's gonna what it's gonna look like. Stranger. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that brings us to uh, the highlight of the podcast for me. At <laughs> least it is the Usher versus Usher um, uh, challenge. So as of last week, uh, we set each other a classic England and Scotland match uh, and we challenged each other to name the 11 players. Now, James won 11-10 yeah. last week yeah. uh, because I basically forgot that John McGinley ever played for Scotland. <laughs> Um, so this week, James, I am going to take you back to a rain-sodden night in November 2007, uh, a Euro qualifier between England and Croatia, oh, yes. um, which is synonymous for the headline the next day, The Wally with the Brawley. Mm -hmm. uh, so was, uh, I think it was Steve McLaren's last game in charge of England. Uh, England lost the game 3-2. Um, so your challenge is to name the 11 players who started that game. Okay. Um, if you name one of the three players who came on, you get to guess again. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, 14 players were used, three substitutes, uh, but that is your challenge. Okay, so you've gone, you've gone uh, October tw 2000. I will, I will quickly throw in the, the excuse that I was, I was working that night, I couldn't get the night off work, so I managed uh -huh. to catch a little bit of, little bit of on my break, um, but I didn't, I didn't watch the full game. So, uh, uh, you know, so that, that's, that's getting my excuses in nice and early. Um, yes. The, so you've got, that's October 2007. November, go, 21st of November 2007. Okay, so I'm going to go to the 12th of September 2007. Um, the Parc de Prince, uh, a, a Group B European uh, oh. Championship qualifier. Um, the, the famous, last, last week I gave you one of the most infamous games in, in sort of recent Scottish uh, Yes, history. indeed you did. Then you did. this is one of the one of the famous, one of the great victories of Scotland. It's uh, the night that, that Scotland beat France one nil. Oh in the, yes, in France. Um, and, and also, also the, when they did the double over France, having beaten them earlier one nil. At, yes, they also at beat Hamden. them at Hampden as well. Yes. yes. So that was a that was a very very famous night. And um, and yeah, so there's there's eleven eleven starting players. There's only two subs who came on in this game, so you have got slightly slightly fewer second chances. Okay. Um, but that is that is your um, that is yours and. Um, um, I went okay. first last week. Should uh, should you go first this week then? Yes, I'll go first this time. I think what we'll do is because you know we'll go with one life each. So if you get if you get you can you're allowed one wrong. How about that? Mm -hmm. Is that is that fair? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. So my first, it's going to be, uh, well, where else can I start? And uh, if I could uh, steal a bit of commentary from the night, uh, when Peter Martin said, it's James McFadden, he's a genius again for Scotland. Uh, so my guess has to be the one and only James McFadden. Yes, yes, he, he uh, surprisingly, he, he did play it. Um, an enigmatic um, forward, I guess you say, like, like what, what, is, what is his best position? I don't, I don't think he ever figured out himself, did he, really? But, uh, the ball at his feet is his best position. Yeah. Ball at his feet. Yeah. There's, um, there's also on the, I'm, I'm not stalling for time when I say this, but on, on the BBC website there's a, there's a really cool like little um, thing where you, you kind of recreate famous Scottish goals and you have to kind of guess if a guy's going to go left or right or hit it first time. Uh, I think the answer with the final one is he hits it first time for about 30 it's, yards. It's a phenomenal oh. Um So yeah, I'm, I think I've done enough stalling now uh, and I will say that, uh, yeah, so I'm pretty certain, and I think it was his last game, um, I'm pretty certain that in goal was uh, Ben Foster. I am afraid that you have lost your your one and only life. <laughs> oh no! Ben no. Foster is incorrect. Oh jeez. Um, okay. Are you, so, are, you sure, are you sure he didn't? I'm. I am looking at the lineup now, and uh, he wasn't even in the squad that night. Oh, maybe he'd already retired, or he retired quite. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, go on then. It's, I suppose it's your turn then. Okay. So I will go with. Uh, you the one goalkeeper that'd be much appreciated as well, please. Well. It's funny you say that because I'm going to choose the man who set up the goal for uh, James McFadden that night, and that would be Craig Gordon. Yes, Craig Gordon is correct. Um, frequent visitor to my to my cinema in a yes. Edinburgh. I won't tell you exactly which one in case you know get swarmed by a swarmed by yes, fans. Indeed. Um, so if you could bear me just a, a quick aside on Craig on Craig Gordon, uh, just to give you a little bit of time to remember who actually played in goal for England that night. Um, is uh, we were out at my, uh, I think it was my brother's stag do, like years and years ago when he played for Harps. And uh, we'd all had a, we'd had, a, we'd had a drink, if I'm honest, James. And uh, we, we saw Craig Gordon, and my cousin went over and he put his arms around him and he grabbed his hand and he said to him, right, he said, these hands, he said, he said, these hands are going to take us to a major tournament. And uh, that, I know, I know. So that was, uh, that was about 12 years ago. And uh, those hands so far have not taken us anywhere so uh, but yeah so that was quite an amusing story with my cousin a uh, very drunk approach to Craig Gordon so mm. there we go over to you James so um like I said I'm really really struggling with this because I think I think we were playing a very strange I think they dropped some quite big plays for this game as well um but so 2007 yeah uh, maybe uh, I'll, I'll say Stephen Gerrard he might he, he, he was a captain, yes. So yes. Stephen Gerrard is correct. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I'm going to thank 2007 uh, Barry Ferguson. Barry Ferguson was yes, he was in centre midfield. Yep. So, um, so I will say, Joe, you know, if it's the goal, so and I know it wasn't Joe Hart in goal, so I'm going to say Scott Carson was in goal. Scott Carson is correct. Yeah. So that, that was that was one of the baffling decisions. You were like, what yeah. else did he start with Scott Carson yeah. for? He seemed like he was going to be a very good goalkeeper. England have got, England have got a, a, England have got a sort of record of producing very good young goalkeepers who then kind of burn out by about 26 or 27. Well, didn't yeah. Carson throw the ball in the net for one of the goals as well? I think. Oh, yeah. Right through, yeah. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to stick with midfield and I'm going with Scott Brown. Yes, Scott Brown was in there. Um, Sorry, I was a bit slow there. I'm, I'm, literally, I'm literally trying to guess who would be playing for England because wasn't we had a weird formation? Uh, David Beckham. No, no. So I'm going to take David Beckham. Uh, David Beckham played, but he came on as a substitute. So, uh, wow, Wayne Rooney. This is really bad. This is like someone who's never heard. So Wayne Rooney is incorrect. Wayne Rooney was not in this. Was oh, not in the squad. 
So, um, I think that's a win for me now, isn't it? Can I keep, I keep going and see how far I can get? Is that... oh, all right then, all right then, Dave. See, okay, okay, so I'm going to get stick with midfield and I'm going to say Paul Hartley. Yes, he was, yeah. Hartley, yeah. Lee McCullough. Lee McCullough, yes, he started kind of, I think, in midfield as well, yeah. Um, right, so 2007, now I was at every home game of this, uh, oh. so... Um, right, I'm freezing on the back. So Stephen McManus... Yes, he was, yeah. Yeah. Um let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Um Oh, Alan Hutton, right back. Yes, he was, yeah. David Weir. Yes, absolutely. Uh Darren Fletcher. Yes, that's ten. Um I'm struggling now. I'm wondering since 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 it's all over, I'll give you a clue that I think it, that might have been a back three. That I'm not sure this guy would have been a because it was Stephen McManus. Was he a was he a left back or was he centre back? back? So you would have had McManus on the centre back. So it's a right back I'm looking for, and we were had rubbish right back. Graham Murray. No, no, that's 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 one life. If you want to have another guess. Um, God, I don't even know, man. If we always struggle with right backs, I can't even think. Uh, sorry, left backs. Hutton was probably right back. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll give you another clue Um, played till a very very late age free kick specialist nah I'm not sure I don't know I I think it's the same player Uh, Graham Alexander Oh, no, I would, I would never have got that (laughs) I could I guess he was one of those English players who we sort of um, he's doing quite well for himself as a manager now I think Um, yes yeah I'm I'm sure he's, he's got a free kick from like 25 yards on his Last game at like 38 mm. or something. That's the thing I remember at the end of his career, yeah. So just to, to run through the England 11 for you. Uh, so you had Carson and goal, um, Micah yeah. Richards, uh, Saul Campbell, Julian Lescott mm. and Wayne Bridge, um, Gareth Barry, Joe Cole, Gerard Lampard, Wright Phillips coming off the bench. So also on the bench you had David James, Wes Brown, Owen Hargreaves and Ashley Cole. So... Isn't it just like I, I? Do you know what I had to? I, I pretty much saw that. I was like, I think I could secure a win with this because it's such a like. Who yeah. would pick that team? For? I feel like yeah, that seems that seems like you know when you try and pick an alternate sort of team. Like I, I, I tried to put together like an alternate kind of Euros kind of squad a, a few months ago, but I, could, I it just it just ended up being pointless. Um, so yeah, it seems like a, a, an alternate team you might choose like on or who's on form that literally that the week yeah, before. Sort it's of just thing. It's like, a, like a Garth Crooks team of the week. Rather than it was a gamble, a gamble that never paid off for the poor man, that he's never really recovered yeah. from it, has he? Like, I don't think. Um, I don't know. I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's secured a few destroying eggs. Yes, indeed. Then. Yeah, like the badge yeah. to say. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, so that is a uh, one-one. So next week we shall see uh, uh, who takes the lead. But um, I am, I'm over the moon with that. Uh, Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Very I'll, much. I'll, well, well being. I did love your confidence in Ben Foster. Though. That did, uh, I did quite enjoy, quite enjoy that. <laughs> Move on to football, I guess now. Um, so the Premier League um, to date, all teams. Uh, last night's results: um, Liverpool beat Chelsea five three, and Aston Villa beat 
Arsenal one nil. So the everyone has now played thirty seven games. Uh, we have the conclusion on Sunday of the Premier League. Uh, I think really the only thing to decide. I mean, this could be quite a quick kind of overview. So the big game of the weekend is probably well, definitely Manchester United against Leicester City. Uh, the winner yeah. uh, will get Champions League football. Um, if it's a draw. The potential that they will both qualify for the Champions League if Chelsea fail to beat Wolves, who are currently in sixth place. Now, it's, I mean, Wolves could finish with the same points as Leicester, which is crazy, but their goal difference yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is a lot worse. But, and that is so, one of the things that's kind of levied against teams who struggle is that the Europa League is a massive burden and Wolves seem to have completely scorched that given the fact that they've gone really yeah. deep into the into the um the tournament and are sitting above Tottenham and Arsenal and Everton. <laughs> like so uh, and then at the bottom of the league you have Aston Villa playing West Ham. Uh, so Aston Villa sit on 34 points uh, with a goal difference of minus 26. Watford sit on 34 points with a goal difference of minus 27. And Bournemouth sit on yeah. minus 27 with 31 points. So it's going to be two out of three. I think Bournemouth, I think we can pretty much agree that Bournemouth have gone. I don't see. Um, yeah. So you've got West Ham are away to, sorry, Aston Villa are away to West Ham. Watford go mm. to Arsenal. So yes. your predictions now, James, I'm putting you on the spot here. So I would like a, a prediction for, first of all, Man United v Leicester. Or Leicester v Man United, because um, Leicester are at home, aren't they? I think, um, I think Man United seem to be, I, I kind of mentioned last week that after playing five games in a row with the same team, they seem to be sort of reaching the limit of of kind of how far they can sort of push the players. And the the FA Cup kind of performance was pretty disappointing. And then to only only get a point against pretty much a West Ham team that, you know, they, they should be yeah. beating. Um, I think I think they've kind of come off, but I think Leicester have come off the pedal more. So, so I'd say I'd say 2-1 to Man United. Vardy, Vardy to score for Leicester again, because he, he's just, he's the one person who's kind of keeping them running. Um, but I, I reckon, I reckon Man, Man United will... We'll take it okay, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with two 0 to Man United. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll compare when we do the podcast next week. We'll see how how just given how bad our West Ham versus Watford prediction was. Um, so yeah. the next one is yeah. uh, Chelsea versus Wolves. So what would you think that would? Yeah. How would that go? I think Ch Chelsea, a, a little bit like Arsenal, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, seem to be. And then we, we did mention last week again that the inconsistency they've got of, of sort of having young players. I think Wolves. Well, yeah, I, I fancy Wolves to get. Yeah, I, I, you know, I fancy draw. draw. I fancy drawing that because I think I think the experienced Chelsea players will get them through. So I, I'd say one. Uh -huh. more. And Giroud to score. Right here's what here's something. Giroud to score in injury time in the first uh -huh. half. When he scores, all he scores in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a Wolves win 1-0 um, mm -hmm. I think Wolves are, have been the real surprise package of the season I think Chelsea are just yeah. like so unpredictable um, and I, I kind of uh, I kind of predict that they're going to going to do them on the last day which would mean Leicester uh, sorry Chelsea and Manchester United for me are the teams that uh, yeah, we, yeah. would go through um, so Villa against West Ham or West Ham against Villa I mean, I've got a great. I think we just need to say a great win for Aston Villa against Arsenal on um, on oh, yes. Wednesday I, night. I mean, that was just. I thought the yeah, I thought the um, I thought they conceding last minute equaliser against uh, Everton. Yeah, that was a that, that was a seconder, wasn't it? I felt I thought that was that was it. I thought, and I think I think it said the same on match of the day. It felt like that was the end, but uh, we kind of come back again. Um, 
I think I think they're going to do it. I, I do as well. Part of me thinks that, that they've finally kind of figured out how to how to use Jack Grealish in a positive way, keep him as high up the pitch as possible, which then means that other players like Trezeguet, like uh, like uh, the other players in the team, can have more of an influence on the, on the game. I think the fact that Grealish has finally started sticking to a yeah. position or or has been, has been able to, he's not had to keep coming and getting the ball off the centre backs. I, I do think there might be a few hairy moments because I think they're I think they defensively are a bit short. But I'll 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 totally abandon my principles that I had last time that said Watford to be safe. And I think I think uh, I think Villa will will win. Okay, you're gonna win. Uh, so I'll say, I'll say two, two one. one. I, I'm not okay, sure. I'm I'm going yeah. for I'm going for a Villa win, but I'm going for a one nil. So I yeah. think. Uh, Oh yeah, it'll be yeah. squeaky bottom time for them. And I, so my brother-in-law is a, is a massive Arsenal fan, um, and he about two days before the game, he said um, he says this guy's got our number. We're going to lose this game one 0 And uh, like so, like <laughs> the minute after the final whistle, he just sort of says Arsenal are nothing if not predictable. Um, I, think, I mean, I think Arsenal have had a you know they, they they've done well since they've came back because they they came back and yeah. they were yeah. uh, they were horrendous against um, they were horrendous mm-hmm. against City in the first game and and uh, I think yeah. the 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 Man City the, I think we watched we didn't didn't watch it together but we were watching it at the same time uh, the FA yeah. Cup tie and they were they were just so much better and like yeah. that's how you yeah. beat a better team I think essentially isn't it and um, so they're playing Watford on the last game of the season so. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So they looked, they looked like, oh wow, this could be a really great team for next year. And then in midweek, then they get beat by, get beat by. So my, my thanks um, on so that, is- my thoughts on that is so mm-hmm. like, and this kind of bodes well for Watford, I guess. Is so Arsenal are yeah, now yeah. in the FA Cup final, right? And they're never, yes. they're not going to. They've already secured their worst finish in twenty-five years. So what does yeah. it matter if they finish tenth or eleventh or twelfth? What matters yeah. now is that they go and win the FA Cup, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I, I, there was probably a bit of that going on against Villa, um, but I think yeah. I, I think they'll probably have more about them against Watford, um, given yeah. the fact that they've had a bit of a bloody nose against Villa. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't know. So are you, what are you going for in that one? I am. Do you know? I'm and as much so Watford. I absolutely, absolutely like Troy Deeney is one of the, the sort of the great stories of kind of like professional football. So the trouble that he's been through and the fact he's come back and. Uh, at the age of 30 yeah. plus have been able to establish a sort of dangerous Premier League striker is, is something that's really impressive but unfortunately I think they, I do think they are going to Same, go down yeah. um, I think I think, Villa, uh, I think uh, Arsenal I think Arsenal beat him I think Aubameyang is just in form uh, at the minute and if he plays I think I think I think I can't see him them not I can't see him not yeah. scoring against uh, against uh, the Watford defence basically unfortunately yeah. for them so and I, don't, I don't think they'll have I think David Luiz did he play terribly or, or did he play terribly or brilliantly last match? I can, I can never yeah. sort of keep track of it, but I think he'll 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 probably have one of them games where he looks like the greatest defender in the world against Troy Deeney. Um, so uh, yeah, so I reckon I reckon. Uh, well, unfortunately, I think Watford will go down here. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so what are you going for result wise? Two uh, 0 Yeah, to, to that's what I've got written down as well. Two 0 to Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay, so that kind of. Like all there really is, all she wrote about the Premier League. I think um, we kind of talked quite a lot at length about it last week. Um, I think what we'll do now is we'll kind of just mop up everything that happened in what is an absolutely incredible night in the Championship last night. Um, yeah. So I was yeah. working last night, um, <laughs> but I had uh, I had um, I'm a, a restaurant manager, but I had a trainee in last night, so I had quite a lot of time where I could like sort of work at my desk and actually get some proper work done, which was lovely. So I had the radio on and off, so I was kind of people kept coming in and I had different things to do. So I was 
one minute I, th- I had right, okay, so this uh, Brentford are up and West Brom are blowing it, and then Brentford, you know, and it was just kept on moving, and and it was just all crazy. But I think the thing that we need to that I want to they want to address is, and I'm absolutely gutted with this because I've got a bit of a soft spot for Nottingham Forest, right? And I've no really any idea why, right? But uh, yeah. I just like Nottingham Forest. Um, so they went into the last two games of the season, right, needing three points or a, to secure a championship. Uh, uh, playoff place. Now, the last two games were against Barnsley, who were in the bottom three, mm-hmm. and Stoke, who were in the bottom four. So they lost the first game 1-0 to Barnsley. So all they had to do was not only not lose, but not lose mm-hmm. by more than three goals. Or there was, like, there was a three-goal swing between them. and So they had to lose by three no, goals. No, no. And Swansea had to win. No, no, it was a 6 That's what it was. It was a city. Yeah, it was, yeah. So then they were playing... Yeah, so they were playing Stoke City at the city ground. Um, and they lost 4-1. Swansea went to Reading and won the 4-1. So it's just absolutely unbelievable. And then at the other end of the table, you had... Uh, Wigan, who, if they had a beaten Fulham, they would have survived despite the 12-point deduction. Um, And for most of that game, they were winning 1-0, and then I think Fulham pegged them back at the end. So, the Championship, how it's set out, so Leeds went up as champions, as we knew. (laughs) West Brom go up in second place. (laughs) Bradford, who again had won eight games on the spin, lost the last two and blew it. (laughs) So now, they they go into the playoffs, and they will play Swansea instead of Nottingham Forest because of that crazy six-goal yeah. swing. And then <laughs> Fulham will play Cardiff. Yeah. So you could be looking at a Swansea versus Cardiff final, which is a kind of Welsh derby, yeah. or a Brentford versus Fulham final, which could be a bit of a London derby. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, what do you do with that? <laughs> like, it's... And there was, there was a point last night where it was basically between uh, West Brom, Fulham and uh, well, a Brentford... West Brom, Brentford, and Fulham, and all three of them were losing yeah. at one point, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, in the, at halftime, all three of them were losing. Never mind checking what the other results were. All three of them were losing. Um, I think. I think. Um, can I, can I, um, so yeah, I think in the playoffs, so you've got this bizarre sort of West London versus Wales, <laughs> like two playoffs matches that we've got. They could they could result in a, a bit like how it was sort of Manchester versus London in the uh, FA Cup yeah. semi-final. Um, we've got kind of this really bizarre like thing of. Uh, uh, and I th- I, part of me would love to see Brentford coming. Oh, hundred percent. So if, if we are going to lose, like a, a team like Bournemouth, who you know have maybe spent a bit too much money, you know, from sort of an owner um, to sort of elevate them above their station. But Brentford seem to be run. Brentford are a team that are run on like the kind of almost the money ball yeah. principle. They they kind of got rid of their youth cell and just kind of signed young players who kind of look who look um, successful, who look sort of have potential and kind of bring them into the team and kind of, and the fact that they've managed, managed to kind of keep growing and, and move into the, uh, and sort of be able to challenge sort of for a couple of seasons. And now we're right on the brink sort of coming back, coming back from lockdown and winning eight games on the spin was, seems like it was like an unstoppable kind of march that kind of just fallen short. Um, and so, so being a Hartlepool United fan, I've, I've kind of been in every sort of situation in the playoffs. We've been the team that, I think we won five games in a row one season to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, one one year we were we were kind of like in in, in the third division. You've kind of like your top three teams go up, so your fourth team. And and what, one year we were the we were the fourth best team in the league by a mile. So we were the best team in the playoffs. Uh, and other and other times we've been sort of we know we're going to be in the playoffs for months and months yeah. basically. Um, th- there's no there's no sort of like there's no best way to go into the playoffs. There's, it, it it really is a lottery. Like Brentford could lose both games. Yeah, I'd be out. Because of like so, because they've gone from winning, 
eight games in a row to losing yeah. four games in a row and be completely yeah. out of it after yeah. a brilliant yeah. season. It's but that's that's that's, yeah. that's the best thing about this, isn't it? It just gives you something to play for right yeah. to the last kind of week of the season. It really is, and I, I do think all, all kind of the four teams in the playoffs are four teams that I think would be good to have in the Premier League. Um, I, I have an issue with, with the Welsh teams being in the English Premier League. You know, especially coming from um, being a Scottish football fan. And it's like, do you know what? See, if you take Cardiff and Swansea, do you want to take Rangers and Celtic as well? You know what I mean? Like, if, if they can play, why can't Rangers and Celtic and they just leave us to it? You know? But, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm only kidding, obviously. I mean, it's a state. Uh, <laughs> um, I think um, one thing I was going to say is like um, uh, Thomas Franks at Brentford and um, uh, Scott Parker at Fulham are two kind of like newish young yeah. managers who seem to be doing really And one thing I want to say is like, I think the, the best thing about Leeds being back in the being in the Premier League, I don't want to say being back because they've been away for almost like a generation. Yeah, Sixteen years, um, man. Yeah, which is which is bizarre to think. Um, the the thing about Leeds, the best thing about Leeds being back in the Premier League, I'm not they're not they're not back where they belong. Teams belong where they are in in the in sort of the football period. Definitely. Um, you, you can't just say that you deserve to be a bigger club than you are. Um, but the best thing is uh, Bielsa being in the Premier League. He's gonna if you've ever wondered what what Guardiola would do with a with a team that wasn't the, one of the best teams in the league. I think we're going to see with Bielsa what he can do with with Leeds, and I know everyone has problems with Leeds. You know, unless you're a Leeds United fan, they, they seem to be Millwall used to be a team that no one likes us. We don't yeah. care. I think Leeds kind of have got that, and it, you know, it works for them. It, it helps to galvanise them into the kind of like the team that they are, and they've, they've done really well to win the league. Um, but but um, I think the fact that you've got Bielsa and you've got Slaven Bilic being the two managers who've kind of got promotion out of that league, I think it shows. I think that sums up what you need in the championship to get on. Yeah. Is you can have you have the resources, you know, even the resources. You can have the wage bills, um, and you can have the style of play. But I think you need a little bit of a little bit of grit, a little bit of nastiness. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, to separate yourself from the like, unless you're Wolves and you can play to a brand of football that's that's you know that's just a level above everyone else in the championship, like they did a few seasons yeah. ago. Um, you need you need a grit to be able to go out and do it every week, and then when things go wrong. To sort of bounce back and and keep your eyes on the prize, and I think Bielsa's done that uh, at Leeds, especially after last season's disappointment. And I think um, again, Billich is he's got his fans and he's got his um, detractors for his uh, his attitude. But well, 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 and I just realised we talked about Croatia. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that Croatia. Um, so I think it'd be good to see him in the Premier League as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how successful the two teams are going to be, but it will be good to see those two managers how they do in the. In the Premier League, I think. Well, we're going, we're going, we're going to get it. Um, yes. But I think that sort of the, if, if things were confusing and, and, and crazy at the top for the playoff race, now uh-huh. talking about relegation. So as it stands, <laughs> um, you have Hull City who finished bottom of the league. Um, you have Wigan Athletic and Charlton Athletic are going down as things stand. Now I say that because Wigan uh, were given a twelve-point penalty for going into administration, which was. Uh, as soon as the final whistle blew last night, that was activated. Yes. So it took them from 59 points to 47. So they have appealed that. So with a way in the outcome of an appeal to see if that could be added to next season's, like the penalty that's given to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and that wasn't, they didn't go into administration. That was for financial irregularities, I think. So they're going to start 12 points down next season. So we're going to have appealed it. If that was the case, then mm-hmm. Barnsley would go down. Um mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that Barnsley. You mentioned that Barnsley beat yes. Forest sort of two games ago. They, they scored in the ninety-second minute, I think, to win that game. They also scored in the ninety-third minute to beat Brentford yes. last night as well. They've scored two goals 
after the 90th minute in the last two games to scramble themselves into the... And can you imagine you know, if they go, end up going down game. after doing that? It would be unbelievable. Yeah. But... Um, so I think like the the championship has been like everyone goes it goes on and on about the fact that the Premier League's the best league in the world, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> but I don't think there's a league that's more competitive or more unpredictable than the English championship. Yeah. You know, and I think other than Newcastle, when I mean I've been down here for eleven years and Newcastle have been in the Premier then the Championship twice since I've been down here and they've came right back up. But I don't yeah. remember many other teams doing that you know and I think it's just I mean even if you look well, we kind of mentioned this earlier so you've just looking down the championship you've got um, Fulham Cardiff Swansea uh, Derby Blackburn QPR Stoke Sheffield well Wednesday haven't really Middlesbrough Huddersfield um, you know it's just been unbelievable and um, just one other th- one other team I want to mention in the championship is Luton Town Um now they yes. they changed their, yeah. their manager and brought Nathan Jones back, and my yeah. God, what a difference! They've gone like seven games undefeated. I mean, they were rock it's, bottom, it's and they've just like. I, I, oh, one thing I did I did want to say, yeah, they've done so well. Um, one thing I did want to ask one quick one to say about Wigan. Um, Wigan f- finished the sort of footballing season on fifty nine points, um, and they've had twelve points taken off to, to drop into the relegation zone. Um, fifty nine points is only eleven points off the playoffs, mad, so they were actually. Actually, finished close to the playoffs in the relegation zone, but you know, and we don't know how that'll that'll kind of fan out. But but yeah, um, Nathan Jones, um, he sort of, he left Luton after getting promoted, um, and then when he's come back, he said like he regretted every moment of not being as the Luton manager. I think it's just it just shows that certain people are just meant to be the managers. Yeah, so it was it was so exciting you went to, wasn't it? It was yeah yeah. But uh, yeah. it's been it's been a crazy old season. But uh, so and as yes. I say, we'll look look at. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch those playoff semi-finals because I think they're, they're just going to be fascinating. Oh, yeah. um, but looking looking a bit further down, sort of the English uh, pyramid now, League One and League Two yeah. were called, um, with the exception yeah. of the playoffs. Um, so another, uh, so starting with League One, another uh, sort of big team, if you say, and that have been kind of absent. Uh, for a long time, Coventry yeah. City. So they are. I mean, they've had loads of problems. I mean, they're playing. Uh, they're playing in Birmingham at the minute, aren't they? Um, so they they won League yeah. One, um, and they came up with Rotherham finishing second. Um, I think yeah. uh, there's not one football fan in the world would be <laughs> sad or grudge the fact that Wickham are going up to the Championship. Yeah, I think uh, with uh, Addy, what's his? I keep I say Addy, I can buy, but that was like that guy who played in the. Yeah. What's his? I can remember. Yeah, I mean he's just a beast, isn't he? Um, and Gareth Gareth Ainsworth, the manager, is he's one of the. Isn't he just man? He wears yeah. a leather jacket and everything. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, seeing Wickham in the championship. Uh, so going out of that, sorry, just, yeah. And we said, and we said about like the big teams in the in the championship. The teams that are in the the they're in League One. You've got Portsmouth. You've got Sunderland. God, yeah. You've got some teams that that are, that are bigger Ipswich. than Coventry. Are playing Ipswich are in there as well. Yes, yes. You're playing with team teams that are. That, have, that potentially could be pushing on in the Premier League and teams like Wickham being able even being able to compete with them is like Wickham finishing top half would be a phenomenal season. The fact of being able to get promoted is is really something Definitely. special with like the job he's done there. It's, it's one of the it's a really fantastic. That's a really great story and, as well, like, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think Rotherham as well are how you run a club successfully. We we talked about they've kind of yo-yoed between. They kind of yoed up the up the leagues a few times. They've kind of been lower lower reaches of the uh, of the championship or sort of middle of the sort of League One, and they the seem to just 
able to sort of maintain their levels no matter what. And you look at a team like Tranmere or um, they kind of end up dropping out of the league one. They've got a budget that's multiple times sort of Wickham and Rotherham's yeah. kind of like, and, and it's just, it's just some, there's some really, really well-run clubs that, you know, that certain, that as a Hartlepool fan, you know, Hartlepool United fan, we've kind of had our problems and you kind of, you kind of want to sort of see those kind of successes at your own club. Definitely. Um, but you know, it's a, it's, it's, so it, it's, it's good to know that there is a chance that a, a team from a small town in South Yorkshire can sort of compete at that kind of level. You know, m- maybe a team from a small town in the northeast of England could do the same thing. Maybe one day, mate. Maybe one day. Maybe one day you'll win that National League. So, Uh, (laughs) Just talking about when you mentioned Tranmere before, so dropping out of League One, uh, Tranmere, Southend, and Bolton Wanderers, who finished on um, 14 points, which is, you know, like, isn't great, but they started on minus 25 or something, or something crazy. Um, But, uh, so, yeah, so they've, they've, uh, are going to be playing in League Two next season. So, Talking about League Two, so coming up from League Two, there are three teams got promoted automatically because Bury, uh, it was Bury, wasn't it? They went out of business. Um, so Swindon won League Two with Sandra and Plymouth Argyle coming up. Josh Widdicombe will be very happy. Um, uh, so you know, that's like, it seems to be a bit of a trope. We've mentioned Josh Widdicombe on every podcast. Um, so and yeah. Northampton Town came up over the uh, during the playoffs. Yeah. I'm a bit disappointed because uh, for some reason, mainly because they probably play in red and white, I have uh, I have a, a, a bit of an affinity for Exeter um, for no other mm-hmm. reason than I like uh, geographical parity in my yes. league. So yeah. like for in, in Scottish football, I like it when Ross County or Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle are in the Premier League because they're from the Highlands mm-hmm. and that means that there's a team from every area of Scotland that are represented in the league in some form or another. Yeah. Yeah. Teams from remote areas. So Plymouth have gone up, which is mm-hmm. nice. Um, but obviously Exeter fell at the last hurdle. They were well beaten by Northampton um, in there. So four teams go up and only one go down, which are uh, Stevenage. Uh, who've dropped down into play? Uh, so you got to be trip to Stevenage for Hartlepool next season. A potential kind of point deduction there as well because Macclesfield. That's right. Yeah, and, yeah. Is it Macclesfield? Haven't paid their wages again, um, and it is it's incredibly harsh on when these sort of things happen. However, you know, as as a as a, a, a fan of a football club that has had to cut its cloth and has has you know fallen down the leagues as a result of it, part of me I sympathise with them, but I also think. You know, if if we could have not paid our players, yeah. You know, if, if we could have signed, if we could sign contracts with players that we wouldn't be able, to, we didn't know we could afford. You know, we, we probably wouldn't have ended up dropping out of the league a few years ago. And you know, it's 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 you know, I do understand how 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 people can think it's unfair. And then some, when something like Wigan happens, where it's a, a foreign owner who's transferred ownership to a holding company and whatever whatever's kind of happened there, uh, that's one thing. But when you, if you're not playing your players repeatedly, it's it's harsh, but I kind of... Oh, yeah, they need, they need to get punished. Yes, I say, it happened to Hamilton uh, about 15 years ago as yeah. well. So, I mean, it, it happens to teams and they just need to yeah. cut your cloth or don't, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool, so that is... that is best. So, all we're basically waiting on is who gets relegated out of the Premier League, who goes up uh, for the Championship, and who gets the final European place. And then that is English football done and dusted until September. One one more thing we should really should mention... Um, we, we just mentioned people dropping out of the league um, and, and whoever it, it may actually end up being. And the fact that Barrow have got back into the yes. league is something, is something that really, really deserve, deserves like a round of applause, really, because that is that's a, that's a like, like you said about geographical um, remoteness. Um, you've got Carlisle up in the, the sort of northwest of the country, but you know basically you've 
at one at one point you've had like north of Manchester. There's no football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Glasgow. So it's uh, it's it's good it's good to see um it's good to see uh, Barrow kind of make it make it back to the the, the football league and a, a well well deserved kind of like well well deserved for them. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So before we change sports, we'll just have a quick sort of roundup uh, about what's happening in uh, Scottish football before the start uh, a week on Saturday. Um, so the clubs are back, full contact training. I've even uh, a couple of bounce games happening. Uh, obviously, Rangers and Celtic I mentioned before. Rangers won the the I think it's called the Vielta Cup. I think it was where they beat uh, they beat two French teams. So they can uh, they can add that to the trophy hall that they've had since they came. <laughs> so yeah, you've got uh, League Two, League One, the Championship, the Petrofact Cup, uh, and now the Vileta, Vileta Cup or whatever that was called. So their trophy cabinet is swelling. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you, really, Rangers. Honestly, um, uh, so and then Celtic had a glamour friendly in front of nobody um, against PSG, uh, of which they lost four uh, nil. But again, th- these they're just bounce games and, and stuff. So uh, the squads are starting to take shape. Um, my own team, Hamilton, uh, we are still looking painfully short. We still need, I would say, a right back, a goalkeeper. Um, but uh, generally, just excited for the start of the new season. Um, yeah. So a couple of things got announced this week that uh, the Scottish Cup, um, now with football lockdown, the Scottish Cup uh, was at the semi-final stage. Um, so uh, Celtic versus Aberdeen and Hearts versus Hibs uh, still to be played. So they're going to be played the weekend of October the 31st. And both be at Hamden, so I imagine uh, one will be on the Saturday, one will be on the Sunday, probably. Uh, although it would make total sense for Hearts and Hibs to play at Murrayfield, but you know that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with the final to be played in December, which is great in theory. However, it was also announced this week that the Scottish League Cup would also return in October. Um, so the the Scottish League Cup, uh, a couple of years ago, um, to great success in my opinion, they remodelled the League Cup and made it a regional competition. So they put they split every team who weren't playing in Europe into a group format. So you played each other once um, and then the top team in that group went into the last 16 and then it became a knockout competition. So that, um, that format has been... Uh, sort of ratified for the new season which seems strange uh, so all those games are going to have to be played in October as well um, so if you throw that in with the Scottish Cup and then you throw in Scotland's games against Israel uh, and I can't remember the other Serbia I think um, and Scotland's Nations League playoff to enter the Euros all to be completed before December as well as a full league card I don't really know where all the money is going to come from, where all the games are going to fit in, but it's very exciting nonetheless. Um, isn't, isn't there a, a chance that, is it the chance that like Celtic could, are going to play like 40 games between the 1st of August and the end of um, end of the yeah, year? so it's something, it's something like 10 games in four yeah. weeks or something crazy yeah. like that, and yeah. it's it's just and yeah. like, so Rangers are still, obviously Rangers are still by the skin of their teeth mm-hmm. in the uh, Europa League which again that starts in August as well um, so there's a lot of football to be played but to be honest these are fit yeah. boys you know and they've not been oh, yes. not been doing a lot and um, yeah. as I say I think like if I was a professional footballer right I would be champing at the bit and if you tell me I'm going to play four mm-hmm. games in two weeks I'd be like I want to play five games in two weeks Do you know what I mean you just, yeah. you've just been sat around doing nothing and um, I think mm-hmm. and we've seen that as well in the, the, in the English it'll take a couple of weeks for everybody to get up and running um, yeah 
so I guess we'll see. So next week, next week we will. Do you know, I really should start saying next week we'll do this because we always change our minds, don't we? But uh, so next week we'll have a full preview. I will have a go at predicting my final twelve placings in the uh, in the sort of SPFL. But um, just one thing before we leave it: the arbitration hearing. Um, to decide who actually plays in the Premier League, will it be Hearts or will it be Dundee United? Um, that takes place, uh, we think, the twenty fourth of July, which, as we record, is tomorrow. Um, so hopefully by next week we will have an answer. I mean, I think if I was a betting man, there will be compensation paid to Hart Midlothian, to Partick Thistle, and to Stranraer, um, and uh, we'll all get on with it. But uh, we will see how that all shakes out next week. But uh, so that is Scottish football in a nutshell. So we are going to switch for the final part of tonight's podcast, James. We are going to switch to cricket as we did last week. And uh, much better news uh, as uh, England won the second test against West Indies in what was a very kind of stop start game. So if you could just give, it, give us the story of the five days. Well, I think I think what we what we kind of mentioned last week was that we kind of came to the conclusion that the England could perform a lot better, whereas the West Indies, you know, we maybe we seen as good as they were. And I definitely think that's kind of what we saw in this match was England basically just played all facets of the game, basically just played a lot better. Yeah. The batting seemed, seemed to finally click. The Dom Sibley, uh, you know, fresh from obviously the stinging criticism that I gave his technique yes, last indeed, week. Yeah. Um, he uh, he batted like um, it was. I was going to say he batted like boycott. God, like, but um, apparently, apparently, his his century that he scored was slower than any of Jeffrey Boycott's centuries. I mean, he, seem, he seems to he seems to have um, a really good knack of leaving the ball when it's not quite there outside, sort of outside the off stump. He seems to be really good at uh, sort of knowing when to leave the ball. And um, him and Ben Stoke basically put on a, a partnership that kept going. That was going, about going, four going. weeks ago at the crease, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> yeah, it was really, 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 really impressive and good to see. Um, and basically. You know, with 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 kind of rain delays, he basically batted through to the middle of the second day, which is kind of what we've wanted from from an English batsman for a long, Definitely, long time. Yeah. Um, and in, in England, kind of kept putting on the runs. It was quite slow going with the scoring, even after Don Sibley got out. It kind of only still only ticked over like three and over. Um, but basically, England ended up posting a big score, over, scoring over four hundred and fifty. So it's always going to put you put you in a good position. And it basically then rained for a full day. The game kind of got put on pause for a full day, and then England bowlers kind of turned up on the last two days and oh, in, in the sort of last section of the last day and and managed to basically win the game for, for England. So I think what you um, what you said last last week that uh, that so as, as badly wrong as we got the Watford West Ham score, <laughs> one of the things that you said that was spot on is to win a game of cricket you need to take 20 wickets and the person who's going to take yes. the wickets this time is going to be Stuart Broad and that's pretty yeah. much exact. Well he may not have taken every one of them he led that attack didn't he and he just it was just good to see. I think the two things that stuck out for me was Sibley um, and that really patient, um, yeah. you know, kind of Michael, I think more Michael Atherton than Jeffrey Boycott style, wasn't it? Um, and, uh, and and Broads, Broads bowling. And obviously Ben Stokes is just yeah. you know, phenomenal, and, isn't and, he? Like, and that's the thing. Ben Stokes scored 175, not, oh, 175. And, and I mentioned kind of last week how he, he's more than just a, he's not just a slogger. He's got, He's got a real skill to his batting. Um, he then, in, within England needing quick runs, he then sort of had a little cameo and basically smashed the ball. Or came came in in the second innings, basically opened, uh, so it was the first batsman out, and he basically smashed the ball around on the end on at the at the beginning of the first session of the last day. He basically gave England 
enough of a lead that it meant that they could bowl as aggressive as they wanted to with, without any sort of pressure of yeah, like of West smashing them around. Yeah. yeah. So, and, but I think so. We mentioned that Ben Stokes opened the bat, so England have to go out on the second day. They need to get a total probably in the first hour to put some distance. Mm-hmm. But this, sorry, this was like on the end of the fourth day, towards the end of the fourth day. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. every single cricket fan was absolutely frothing at the notion of seeing yeah. Ben Stokes and Josh Butler walking out to open the bat mm-hmm. and what essentially was just a free rate to smash the ball around and we're like right this is going to be amazing and then Butler got out and like the third yeah. ball or something yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so disappointing wasn't it <laughs> like he kind of got bogged down as well on the, on the first because there was a few wickets kind of fell on the first yeah sort of on, on the end of the fourth day and he kind of he scored a few runs but he didn't score many it was when he came back on that morning though he had he basically started straight in fifth gear yeah. and started actually slamming it around the ground and um it was just so it was so it's so impressive, but it's something that we've come to expect from Ben yeah. Stokes. But I don't think that's your takeaway from just how special it was, oh, it was just to see him you know, demolishing a, a tiring attack, but still it was still a very skillful um West Indies attack. They just didn't have any answers to him. He basically and if it hadn't been a different stage of the game, he could have scored one of the all time great centuries for England, really. But instead he got called in, you know, and England then had a had set a really big target for the West Indies and at, at times it was a bit slow going, yeah. but this had enough quality just those just to take those 10 wickets through the course of the day and and win the match okay so probably um the biggest uh talking point before the second test uh was uh joffra archer yeah. um we, we talked to him up uh quite a lot mm-hmm. in the last one being kind of the future of england's attack etc etc um but he was a very naughty boy and broke uh the isolation protocols and was uh, disciplined by the ecb and suspended for that game mm-hmm. um so what did you reckon to the... I mean, it was a very different um, sort of... I mean, as expected, Root came in yeah. uh, for... Uh, De- Joe Denley, basically, yeah. Joe Denley, yeah, which we knew was going to yeah. happen. Um, but the, the sort of the bowling attack was completely different. So yeah. you had a go at predicting. How did how did you think the, the team did and how did it look? In- England England won, therefore the team... Yes, worked, of course. Worked, yeah. kind of, and they took the, they took the wickets... It, it was getting on a little bit. It was quite late on the last day, but you know, if they hadn't lost a day for rain, they would have won it quite easily. I think. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, just the way the game was going, even at that point, I think it was a uh, it was on for England, and and also England declared in both innings, which isn't sort of shows that they really had the upper hand when it came to the bat- batting, and managed, and then yeah. take twenty wickets as well. Shows that um that the attack was, and I think I think the future of the England kind of attack might be with Joffre Archer as the kind of the main wicket taker, but I, I do think it is going to be. Oh, and this is used as like a bit of a derogative term, but like bits and pieces kind of bowlers are going to yeah. come to the fore. And um, someone that I'm a big fan of, uh, I, I didn't pick him in the last team. I didn't pick him in when I made my prediction last week. Um, but I do think uh, Chris Wokes is a is the kind of like a cricketer that he, he's almost like the the kind of like the Gary Neville of your of kind of like a cricket team. He's like a he's like a seven out of ten. Yeah, kind of every single every single kind of game he's going to get you it feels like he's going to get you 30 runs and three wickets in in every game you know it just seems like his like oh sorry in every innings that seems like his uh his kind of average kind of performance is 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 kind of that and he did he did the same thing again on uh throughout throughout the test match as well really i was shocked to see him in there because as i say i'm yeah. not not as much as you but i do kind of rate him mm-hmm. um and uh like I, to be honest, I thought it was. I mean, I thought I'm a big fan of the kind of um, if someone's outspoken about something, yeah. and then come in and do a job. Like so, yeah. Stuart Broad yeah. said he was angry and frustrated, mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they came in like he did, yeah. and like was just 
throwing coal and there was doing nothing but yeah. he didn't he came in and he just bossed it and he was just like he, he was a guy that led the attack and I always love that when yeah. you've got a point to prove and you come in and prove it you know there's nothing worse than shouting about how good you are and then coming in and being rubbish whereas yeah. Rod just kind of dominated and I thought that was always yeah. that was always really good um, Sam Curran was another one I was quite surprised to see him in there and he did all right I suppose didn't he and, I, th- I think I, I'm not sure who because I, th- like, I think Joff Rodger definitely would have played if it hadn't been for the um, definitely yeah, yeah. For the thing and it seemed it's because because I, th- I think that I think that he would have been rested for the third test with the one days in mind I think he would have played the first two been rested for the third with the one days kind of in mind and we probably and then we probably would play uh, sort of abroad with sort of that they're gonna they're gonna be able to rest for the one dayers and um, so yeah Ron Anson in, the, in the last test um I but yeah so I'm, I'm not sure whether it was Wokes or Curran who came in like pretty much like the day before for for Joffrey Archer, I'm not sure who it was who kind yeah. of like called both of them. Both of them did did well. They're both. Um, yeah. I, I, I like I like um I like people who can get the most out of their abilities, and it feels like like Chris Walker has got real good control, but he's also he's, he's like almost deceptive, deceptively dangerous kind yeah. of with with bowling, and he's, he's he's good. He's really like nuggety batsman down down the bottom order. And um, he also became I think he's the second oldest player to ever cross like the one thousand runs and hundred wickets. Um, sort of barriers. So I always like those stats, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, good ones that sort of pop up. Um, and I think I think Sam Curran will be another one who will eventually get to those kind of. And I think Sam Curran's going to be one will start ticking off those um those kind of accomplishments soon, hopefully as well. Um, but yeah, but both of them did really well. And I think Don Bess was kind of he's, he's still not quite got that kind of. He didn't. He, he did take some wickets kind of in the last innings, but he didn't really bowl England to victory. Um, but when he um. He got slogged for a couple of. Oh, he got hit for a six, and then two balls later took a wicket. It was it was really really impressive to see. Um, so yeah, I think Don Best as well had a. We'll be really happy with his uh with his performance over over the uh both maybe not quite as much with the bat, but with the ball as well. He um seemed to do a. I definitely contributed, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So England won. Yes. Uh, so we're going into the third test uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. I think yeah, yeah so be the yeah, Friday. Yeah. Uh, 24th so it's at Old Trafford again um, while not on the same wicket I think they're going to use the kind of the one over so the conditions yeah. will be very very similar mm-hmm. um, so the two sort of X factors or the two changes um, Joffrey Archer has uh, had his Covid test he tested negative he's back mm-hmm. with the squad and available for selection mm-hmm. um, Ben Stokes is carrying an injury but mm-hmm. Joe had said he will play so yeah. that is one name we can put down as. So Stokes is, is playing. Whether he plays as a specialist batsman, does he open the baton after his wonderful <laughs> sort of performance in the second innings? Does Archer come right back in to a winning attack? So that is not a question for me to answer. That is a question for England's latest selector, Cock. So uh, one to eleven, who would you play in the third test tomorrow? Um... I, I, think, I think I well before we say that before I kind of give give my water uh, eleven. I think um, Ben Ben Stokes when he was captain for the first match, he didn't bowl himself very much. Yeah, and it was quite late before he started bowling in this Test match as well. However, the fa- he he was the one who really broke that partnership in the West Indies and kind of set us on the on the way to victory. Which then Broad then came in and, and wrapped up a few more wickets after that as well. But he he kind of came in and bowled. I think it was the start he bowled sort of eleven overs. So 66 balls. I think 50 of them were kind of short or, or bouncers. 
So that's really, really, that's a real work. That's a real, and I know professional sportsmen aren't, you know, it's not a real job and everything, but that was, that was a real effort for him, you know, to, to do that. And the fact that if, but, but however, as a batsman, he is, I, I, I said, I think we said last week that Joe Root was England's best batsman. I, oh. think, there's a, I think there's an argument that actually Ben Stokes is England's best batsman at the minute. So yeah. I think he, he, he definitely gets in the team as a specialist batsman, if that's what he is, if that's what he has to be. So if he has a specialist batsman, where are you putting him? Because it well, looks like he has. I don't yeah. think he's going to bowl. So no, but but I, I do. I think I think our top three are our top three for the future. So I think we keep him there. We give him uh, we give him more we give him more practice. We give him more reps. We give him more getting used to the sort of situation. I think Dom Dom Sibley coming off a century. Um, Zach Crawley, you know, a seventy in the in sort of the first test. Yeah. Um, and I think Rory Burns is not that, not that long off a, a century as well. So I think um, I think but I think opening partnership stays the same. So simply Crawley Burns top three. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Roy Burns, Tom Sibley, Zach Crawley, and then I think I think you. So you're sorry, like, Crawley at three and Burns at two, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think uh, as we said, um, Joe Root wants to back at number four, so he bats at number four. Yeah. Um, and Ben Stokes, specialist batsman on one leg. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the bit when he when he was really slogging the ball, and he got he got a, a sort of a short ball that didn't bounce as high as he thought it was, and it kind of caught him in a, in a rather. Uh, in a rather tender yes, place, yes. <laughs> but uh, um, but he's he's just he's just like a force of nature at the minute. I think I don't think they can do anything to stop him. So I think he goes in number five. And um, the, the Ollie Pope hasn't quite done what he kind of want him to do so far. Um, but but I'm not sure if there's any other batsman in the in the uh, in the in the even in the sort of the 50 man squad. I don't think there's any batsman that I'd rather see in there. And there's definitely no one in the sort of squad that they've named for tomorrow. So I think Ollie Ollie Pope keeps his a. Uh, Hope stays at six. Keeps his position at six. Um, and yeah, my prediction of maybe Ben Folks coming in isn't going to happen. It looks like Josh yeah. Butler's in the uh, in the thing, oh. which 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 kind of surprises me because again we've got the one days coming up. Maybe it'll be time to rest him, but it's also maybe it's, it's time for him to help him get his eye in a bit more. Um, so yeah, so Josh Butler's my wicket keeper. That's sort of down at number seven. Yeah. Um, so so, so if I was. If I was looking to try and take 20 wickets again at Old Trafford, I might make a, a big call and go for and have and, and drop Don Best. Right. So we end up with sort of, we go with four pace, both like out and out pace Ooh, Interesting. If, if, we, if we're dropping, if we are dropping sort of Ben Stokes as a bowler, I think, so, so I think the thing that my, I think that my four would be um, Stuart, um, so it'd be Stuart Brother and James Anderson. I would play them too. Would they be 10 and 11, Brother and Anderson? Yes. Yeah. And I think that might be the last, time, you know, it might be the last time those two play together in a test match. Who knows? Yeah. And and a lot of the sort of complaints that I've seen seem to be forgetting that it's only a year ago that, well, it's just almost literally a year ago that James Anderson lasted four overs in the in the uh, in the in the Ashes and yeah. was gone for the whole for the whole winter pretty much. Um, so I think I think yeah, we we we've got to use him while we can. So I think he he plays. Stuart Broad plays as well. Yeah. Um, so, so I th but I think Stuart Broad might be the one who, even even though his um his uh he did perform well, I'm, I'm I sort of wonder who's going to do who's going to do the body of the bowling because because I also do think Joffrey Archer plays. Yeah, he has to if he's if yeah. he's fit, he plays. I think that yeah. that's yeah. like so I think so in, in, even with, even with the ODIs coming up and everything, I think I do think you play you play um Joffrey Archer um for for this Test match. Um, so then I think you've got to have I think it's then it comes down to. I think then it comes down to Wokes or Curran to um, basically, and that, that's the person who's going to bowl sort of the majority of the overs. Yeah, just simply because Anderson is a 
Anson can can do sort of his spells, but is you know you want to use him as little as possible, really. Yeah. Uh, and Joffrey Archie, you kind of want him to be able to build up his pace and and then bring him off when he's before he starts flagging and gets getting tired. Broad as well. So I think I think you might have sort of like those three polars kind of being rotated quite quite a lot, and you've got someone else doing a, a lot of the donkey work. So I think I think they might go with um. Well, I think I would go with Chris Wokes in there. Okay. As the guy to the ball probably forty overs kind of do the dog do the donkey work as you say. Well, 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 yeah. Do kind of twenty to twenty five each, you know, and then you have Joe Root for the uh, to to fill in to block up an end, yeah, you know, for a bit spin bowling because he can he can turn his arm over. And who knows? Probably Ben Stokes can probably yeah, he may do once. Ah, yes. He can probably a, a spin bowler if he, if he doesn't want to put too much effort in. He could probably do that. Okay. So so, so, so yeah. So yeah, I think that that'd be my that'd be the team that I would choose for tomorrow. That's the team you would choose. What do you yes, think they'll yes. do? I think I, I'm not sure if they'll. But I think if it, I, I also I don't know how sort of fit Ben Stokes is, but I would be surprised if they went in with a bowl with a spin bowler. But it would be Don Best, yeah, because um, Jack Leach hasn't been named. But it would be, and then it sort of makes you think who like, how, like literally how to then not how do they take twenty wickets with with another three bowlers? But if you have Archer, Anderson, and Broad, what does that look like as a bowl like? Yeah, and Anderson Broad bowl the first sort of ten overs, then or, or Archer and whatever other combination you have, and then someone else takes the ball. But then are you straight into a spinner as well? already after like twenty overs? Are you using a spinner? You know, not having not having Stokes as a bowler, I think means you have to have four four specialist bowlers. Yeah, yeah, so I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it's Wokes who kind of comes in for the. Yeah, I think that's be Wokes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I think that might be the team that they play. You know. Excellent. Well, yeah. we will see. We will see. So the one, uh, the one thing is that with the the West Indies might be looking at a guy called Rakeem Cornwall as yeah, their yeah. spinner, um, yeah. a man who is twenty two stone, uh, <laughs> which uh, I, 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 he's a big boy, isn't he? And like, so the West Indies captain has came out today it says that he is better than Don Bess so oh, yeah. and it will be more effective if he plays mm. it will be more effective mm. than, and he's a better spinner than Don Bess so mm. um, we shall look at that with interest tomorrow morning to see uh, what what the teams are um, with one of the reasons why I sort of thought Don Bess was kind of will be on the outs is also the, the, the it's basically been raining in Old, uh, Old Trafford and it's apparently like the reckon the pitch is going to be even deader than it was so there's going to be even less spin yeah. So it, it, rather than being a, a kind of like has been a place where you might sort of consider playing more spinners because there's been no play on that on that wicket. It might it might be and if the if the West Indies are looking to bring in a, another because their because their pace bowlers kind of got a bit of a pasting in the in the first innings and kind of a couple of them went had to go off for sort of injuries and yeah. stuff. Um, it, it could it could be I, I, and do you know what I, I reckon England will win. Yeah, I think that, that was my next thing. It's like, what do you think? What do you think it's going yeah. to look like? It's going to be within. Is it England will win? I think it's really strange that if we can bat. It's almost like if we bat first and do well, we'll win. Yeah. If, but I think if we, even if we bat averagely on the first in the first innings, I think we'll win still. I just think we've got whatever sort of, if we've picked four bowlers, whatever sort of combination we have, I reckon we'll be able to take 20 wickets. And I think we've got a bit of a solid, someone in that top order is going to hang around and score some runs before we get to the middle order. So whether whether it is Burns or, or Sibley or... Um, or Crawley, at least one of them is going to stay in and yeah. hang around to then to then be able to uh, sort of support Root and and Stokes because um, although Don Sibley was scoring quite slowly when he was scoring his century, um, it meant that that Ben Stokes could play a bit more freely. Whereas once yeah. Don Sibley got out, the scoring rate actually goes down because there's almost like a succession of new partners coming in for Ben Stokes and he can't quite 
he's not quite as, as secure as he what is when the, the other guy's on 110, 120. So, uh, so yeah, if one of them can, as long as one of them can hang around, I think the middle order's got enough quality there to really build a good innings that then sets up what should be what should be a vict- victory for England. Yeah. Within the, I, th- I reckon it's going to be like there'll be two relatively. Close looking games yeah. without either yeah. being particularly close. I think, um, but I think this one, I think I'm going to win quite easily. Um, yeah. And uh, particularly given the fact that, and well, it all depends if their bowlers recover. I think if they, yeah. you know, yeah. if if Gabriel come, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I reckon in England, England within three days is my, uh, is my, uh, yeah. I think so, <laughs> but uh, but is it, I also thought Watford would beat West Ham. So yeah, <laughs> what do I know? So. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's going to do it, James. I think that's uh, um, that's going to do it for another week. We will be back uh, next week to uh, see how our Premier League predictions have gone um, yes. and uh, see if England can indeed uh, win the second test. I think things move quite quickly in the cricket in summer. I think we go straight into the ODIs against Ireland. Um, yes. Yes. Well, so that'll be kind of interesting to talk about yeah. as well. Um, as I say, we'll, uh, we'll, next week we'll have a go at picking our... Um, Premier League 11 of the season I think that'll be quite fun to do Um, as well as I will uh, finally preview the SPFL uh, Mm -hmm. season so uh, all left is to say thank you very much for another wonderful evening James thank you you, Dave thank you Ah, enjoyed it immensely and we will be back with you again uh, next week with more Sporty Usher podcast thank you very much For so I'll give you a free pass on that one because you were so confident. <laughs> oh man.